0: there, Converge Nation. Thank you so much for joining us for Converge Online. We're going to transition into worship and the word momentarily, but I would be remiss, y'all, if I didn't take a moment to say a big, heartfelt thank you to all the amazing leaders and teams that made our 10th anniversary a resounding success. If you prayed, if you helped us plan, and if you helped us execute Anniversary Weekend, listen, you guys are (laughs) Our dream team, as we often say at Converge, one is too small a number to accomplish anything great. So first off, to all of our servant leaders, our team leads, our directors, thank you for making Anniversary Weekend such a huge blessing and such an amazing acknowledgement of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. You know, that night, uh, during the night of worship, I shared how our fifth anniversary was a memorial in fact, our theme for our fifth anniversary was Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has helped us. And it's a reference to the children of Israel uh, building a memorial where they stacked stones and called that place Ebenezer. Thus far the Lord have, has helped us. That During the night of worship, just as Anthony was beginning uh, the worship experience, I felt the Lord impress on my heart that our 10th anniversary wasn't a memorial, but he wanted us to build an altar. He said, Pastor Ray, what's the distinction? A memorial is a place of reference; uh, it's a reminder of a place where God's hand and, and God's grace was made manifest. An altar, on the other hand, is a place of submission; it's a place of sacrifice; it's a place of surrender. And for our 10th anniversary, God wanted us to do more than just mark a moment in time. He wanted us to build an altar because he wanted for the moment to mark us. That is the distinction between a memorial and an altar. And I believe with all my heart in the days and the months and the weeks to come, God is inviting us to make that distinction between memorials and altars where our lives become an altar of submission, sacrifice, and surrender to the will and the purposes of God in the weeks to come. Finally, I want to give a big shout-out. I want to give a big shout-out to our winning team from Game Night In. Come on, somebody. Y'all show your love for Cree Adevero, for Cassie White, and Cheryl White. And Miss Cheryl is one of our VFAM members all the way from Arkansas. No. From Arkansas, they watch diligently and they're even partners with us financially. They were a part of our game night out. And listen, girl bosses, boss chicks, girl power, they won game night in. Your gift cards are in the mail to you and you will be pleasantly surprised. Once again, thank you so much for helping us celebrate 10 years of God's faithfulness this amazing milestone in our church, that's not only a moment that we mark, but we believe it is a moment that has forever marked us. Let's worship together.
1: We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same, to go into the world, to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter, the greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us, made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls, and the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus with the world around us. If your life has been changed, It's time to get to work.
0: Well, hello again, Converge Nation. Thank you so much uh, for joining us for Converge Online. This morning, we launch a brand new series of messages that we're entitling, a series that we're calling Church in the Wild. Like, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? Look, in the series, we're going to attempt to answer the question now what? Now what? That the resurrection has already been celebrated, now that Easter Is past and we're sort of in this this post Easter era we're going to answer that question now that Jesus has been raised from the dead what does that mean for us what does that mean for the church and I believe that God wants us to be a church that's not cultivated in safety but a church that is that is developed in the crucible of crisis he wants us to be a church that is forged in the wild, you know, uh, having two young kids over the last 17 years or so because Nia is 17 and Levi is 11, we've watched our share of animated movies. It's interesting though that when I watch those animated movies, I get a ton of content for my sermons. And one of those movies or one of those movie franchises is Madagascar. I believe That Madagascar 1 and Madagascar 2 gives us a unique contrast that speaks to this picture of the church. Because in Madagascar 1, what you see is these animals that are in the safety of a zoo. Their meals are served by the zookeeper. They get their shots regularly. And then there's a crowd of people that come every day to see these animals in the zoo. Compare and contrast that with Madagascar too, where the animals now are in the wild. And even though these animals are uh, genetically created to thrive in the wild, they had been groomed, they had been cultivated in the safety of the zoo. You see, in the zoo, all they had to do was wake up, and all of their needs were met. There was nothing required of them except to be alive. In the wild, what they immediately recognized is if you don't kill, (laughs) you don't eat. Yet on the inside of them, their DNA, their God DNA, was that they were created to be savages. They were created to be hunters. They were created to be predators. They were created not just to survive the wild, but thrive in the wild. But they had been cultivated and conditioned in the safety of the zoo. And I'm I'm afraid to suggest to you this morning that most of what we have in the church is Madagascar One Christians who are looking to the zookeeper, who are looking to the pastor to spoon feed them. Everything they need. Yet God has created in each of us. If you are a Christ follower, you have been infused with the DNA of Jesus, who, by the way, was a savage Jesus. Come on, somebody. Anybody who's 12 years old, who's separated from his mother and father. Listen, let me put this in perspective. Levi is 11. Jesus was only a year older than Levi is right now. Yet when he's separated from his father and his mother, he finds himself reasoning with the scribes and the Pharisees, doctors of the law, seminary-trained legal experts. And when his father and mother find him after many days, this is what he says to them in response, I must be about my father's business. You know why? Because we serve a savage Jesus. Anyone who can walk into the temple and turn over tables of the money changers, who, by the way, were extortionists, anybody who can confront the Roman Empire and walk away unmoved and untouched is a savage Jesus. Anyone who can endure 39 stripes on his back for a crime he didn't commit and answer and respond and say not a word against the people who mistreated him is a savage Jesus. Anyone who could say I could call down a legion of angels right now to get me off this cross, but exercise restraint in the midst of his pain is a savage Jesus. That's a Jesus that wasn't cultivated. In a zoo. That's a Jesus. Come on, somebody who was forged in the wild. Any Jesus, any Jesus who can look down from the cross and say concerning those who falsely accused him, who could say concerning those who beat him, who could say concerning those who nailed him to the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Who can show mercy in the midst of great pain? is a savage Jesus. And may I submit to you that the church that Jesus desires to raise up in this season is not a church that is cultivated in the comfort and the convenience of the zoo, but it is a church that is forged in the crucible of crisis. Hence the premise of this series, Church in Christ the wild. Listen, I have come and I will be coming for you (laughs) over the next several weeks to shake us out of our complacency where we exchange our complacency for the urgency that Jesus has placed upon us, the church. Listen, at 12 years old, Jesus shook off complacency and he declared, I must be about my father's business. Listen, I know We sit, we live through uh, the challenges and the constraints of a pandemic, but this is not the time for you and I to shrink back. This is the time for us to lean in to what God desires to do. He said, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? Notice our anchor text for this series. It is lifted from Philippians chapter two, beginning at verse five. I'll be reading from the Passion Translation. Before we get to the Passion Translation, let me just share with you how it reads in the New King James. It simply says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we're going to be a church in the wild, if you and I are going to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, if we're going to follow his example, and if Jesus is going to be our model, if he's going to be the prototype for what it looks like to be the church, for what it looks like to be uh, uh, devoted Christ followers, we have to go back to the text and examine the life of this savage Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And let me, let me, let me just give you this caveat. Let me just give you the caveat. like, for those of you who might be saying, Pastor Rick, where's all this coming from? Why you, why you got all this aggression this morning? Listen, I'm talking about the post resurrection church. We're moving now from the cross to the grave, from the grave to Pentecost. And that's what the church in the wild is all about. Listen, I'm talking to a church That is moving beyond what is convenient and what is comfortable into the call of God. Listen, the church that Jesus desires can only manifest in the wild. The lion in you will only be revealed in the wild, not the zoo in the wild. Come on, somebody. So what is that church in the wild and what does that look like? Savage Jesus, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In the Passion Translation, verse 5 begins, and it says, let me find the text. Where is it? Here it is. And consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Here it is. Let this mindset, come on, the mindset of Jesus, let this mindset be Your motivation. I want you to to process that for a second. Let this mindset, the mindset of Jesus be your motivation. And at the forefront of the mindset of Jesus is that he exchanged complacency for urgency. Listen, this is not the time for us to shrink back, for us to sit back. This is the time for us to lean in. And again, for those of you who are struggling with this image of a savage Jesus, let me just reframe that. Listen, never make the mistake that the person of peace is unskilled at war. Come on, somebody. Just because we read through the text and sometimes we we, we hear Jesus say, turn the other cheek. And we may hear Jesus talk about mercy and forgiving 70 times 7. Listen, don't get it twisted, y'all. Jesus was a savage. And sometimes we think that being a person of peace simply means we're unskilled at war. Listen, we're going to talk about that over the weeks to come, because this is what God wants you and I to step into. God wants us to be a church that is forged, that is formed, that is framed in the wild. Step number one, exchange, exchange your complacency for the urgency of God. Jesus said, I must be. I have to be about my father's business. In another place in the gospels, his disciples come to him and Jesus says, listen, I must work the works of him who sent me now while it is day for night cometh when no man can work. I pray that in the midst of this pandemic where we have settled in, where going to church now is an inconvenience uh, for doing anything for the kingdom is an inconvenience. We could go to restaurants. We could go to ball games. Listen, Ranger Stadium sold out. 40,000 plus in attendance, come to church, uh, COVID-19. Listen, God wants you to shake off your complacency and exchange your complacency for the urgency that comes with the call of God. Let this mindset be your motivation. What was the mindset of Jesus? Here it is, here it is. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought, to seizing equality with god as his supreme prize that's heavy instead he jesus emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant listen listen i'm talking about complacency and urgency number 2 number 2 jesus jesus chose to become uncomfortable mhm jesus chose to become uncomfortable Jesus chose to exchange the comfort zone of heaven for the inconveniences of humanity he threw off divinity and embraced all the power and the prerogatives of divinity he was still God but he p- threw upon himself the the, the clothing and the the form of humanity Listen to me, if we're going to be the church in the wild, we have to be willing to get uncomfortable. When was the last time you willingly, in pursuit of God's plan and God's will and God's purpose for your life, chose to give up what was comfortable and convenient for what was uncomfortable? That's what Jesus did. That's what the church in the wild looks like. He said, Pastor Ray, well, there's all kinds of stuff out there, all kinds of things that are unpredictable. There's so much uncertainty. And you know what? I'm just going to do what I can control, what is within my power to control. And you know what? I'm really not willing to take any risks. Listen to me. You and I have been invited into a life of faith and all faith. Is divine risk it was st. Thomas Aquinas who said if the primary aim of the captain were to preserve his ship it would never set sail nobody builds a boat so that it can sit in port the reason we build ships is so that they can sail even though there is the threat of a storm out there so God is calling us to move out of our comfort zones and embrace being uncomfortable because again, this is the example of our savage Jesus. This is how he's going to raise up a church in the wild. Let me tell you why it's important to resist your comfort zone. Here it is, nothing fruitful, nothing productive, nothing profitable, happens in a comfort zone we're declaring that this will be our banner year that's marked by strong successes that is marked by fruitfulness and productivity and profitability news flash it ain't gonna happen in your comfort zone in fact I want you to hear this and I want you to hear this crystal clear comfort zones are where dreams go to die you heard me correctly and I'll say it again it bears repeating comfort zones are where dreams go to to die. In fact, it was John Gardner who said that we plateau when we lose the tension between where we are and where we ought to be. What kind of tension are you experiencing in your life? If you're not feeling the pull of where you are and where you could be, where you should be, where you ought to be, it is an indication that you have plateaued. And you know what it means to plateau? It means to flatline. And you know what happens when someone flatlines physically? They dead. No brain activity. You know what it means to flatline when we choose our comfort zone over the inconveniences of obedience to God? You know what that means? It means we have settled for a place. We have settled for an environment where our dreams wither and die. If you've grown comfortable over the last 12 months doing very little, doing very little for God, if you find yourself unmotivated, if you find yourself stagnant, listen, let this be a prophetic warning to you. You could find yourself in a place where you're beginning to flatline and your aspirations and your ambitions are on the verge of extinction. Come on, church in the wild. You are becoming an endangered species. But in this moment, like Jesus, will you become willing to be uncomfortable? Exchange the security and the safety of heaven for the mess. I mean the mess, the sinful mess of humanity. Here we go. The text continues. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. And because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. Come on, somebody. There is no crown without a cross. There is no crown without a cross. And while many are dreaming... And your ambitions are valid. It's okay to have aspirations. It's okay to dream beyond where you are now. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Here it is, here it is. Jesus didn't only exchange heaven for humanity, divinity for humanity, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and took upon himself, he assumed the role that God had written for his life. I want you to stop there and consider this for a second because if we're going to be the church in the wild, here it is, you can't ad-lib the script. I'll say that again, you can't ad-lib the script. Jesus walked out the script that the Father had ordained for him. And we're we're so quick to talk about Jesus being the author and finisher of our faith. But conversely, we're so willing to ad-lib the script. We're living out a life that he he didn't intend. And in this season, if you're going to experience a banner year, if you're going to experience and become a part of this church in the wild, it requires extreme humility. The scripture says he humbled himself and became obedient. That's why the scripture declares, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he, listen, he will exalt you in due time. You don't do the exalting, you do the humbling. Humble yourself and he will exalt you in due time. Remember what he said concerning Abraham? He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Who's going to do it? God is. Where does it happen? It happens as an extension of our humility to the story of God and the script of God that he has ordained for our lives. Let me read this quote to you from Rich Stearns uh, from his book, Unfinished. And I think it'll bless you. And this is what he says. And I quote, the ultimate meaning in our lives must be found by discerning where our stories intersect with God's big story. Authors do not create characters with no purpose and no role to play. Listen to me, if we're going to be in the church in the wild, we have to exchange the story that we've written, our inner script, for God's. That's why humility is so important, because who you are and what you are created to accomplish in the earth is not for you to uh, create, it's for you, it's not for you to decide, it's for you to discover, because it's God appointed and not a self-assumed. You know what the example of this savage Jesus teaches us? I'm going to humble myself and yield myself to the story of God, because I am simply a character in the big story of God that he has already written. Listen to me. He's the author of the story. He has already seen the end from the beginning. You and I are only experiencing the story. The story is only unfolding to us by faith, one chapter at a time. He's the author. He already knows the end from the beginning. My part is not to come up with my own story for my own life. My part is to submit to the storyline, the character uh, that God has already determined and purposed for my life. That's what Jesus did. And that's why Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it's possible, if it's possible for us to flip the script, For us to change the storyline, then God do it. But ultimately, you're the author. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what the author wants, humility. Let this mindset be your motivation when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I'm preparing to close this thing, but somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to hear this. The problem with most of us, as we navigate one chapter of our lives, one chapter of God's story to the next, is the fact that we begin to resent the storyline in this chapter. And so we never experience the fulfillment that God has prepared in the storyline in the next chapter. listen to me, we get so full of resentment about what God is doing in this chapter of our lives that we never, we we put the book down. We stop reading the story Uh, because I don't like that plot twist because that plot twist directly affects me. That plot twist means I have to wait. That plot twist means I have to forgive. That plot twist means I have to surrender. That plot twist means I have to go through this dry season. That plot twist means I need to go through this hard time. And what we don't realize that what God wants us to to experience in this chapter, in the midst of the crisis, is contentment, not resentment. Listen to me. You have to understand that what you're experiencing in this chapter of God's big story, this one chapter, this singular chapter is just that. It is one chapter. And here it is in this chapter. God doesn't intend the storyline, the plot twists in this chapter of his big story to discourage you. Yes, there are delays. Yes, there are detours in this chapter. But listen, that's only chapter one, baby. Or it may be chapter five. Or it may be chapter six or chapter seven, but there's several more chapters where the story, God's divine story, God's big story of your life gets better and better. So were there delays? Yes. Were there detours? Yes. Maybe even some denials? Yes. But those delays were never intended to destroy you. They came to develop you. I'll say that again. The things you're experiencing in this chapter. The things that right now, that's all you can see. The things that have become overwhelming and all-consuming are just one part of God's grand story that he sends to develop us, not to destroy us. So here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. If you find yourself in a chapter that you don't particularly care for, that chapter that you wish, wish you could rip out of the book, the author knows the end from the beginning and he says, hey, baby, if you'll simply, if you'll simply make it through the, don't put the book down. I know you don't like what happened in this, cha- but, but if you'll simply get from this chapter to the next, you'll begin to see the story gets better. How do we do that? We choose contentment over resentment instead of becoming resentful about what's happening in the story. Learn the power of contentment. It's Philippians chapter four. It's the story of Paul's life. In Philippians four, Paul says, I have learned. Woo, there's the word, I have learned. That means huh, there are some choices you need to make. It is the choice of contentment over resentment. You have to learn it. It's not natural to your carnal nature. It's not natural to your flesh. What is natural to your flesh is resentment, but he says, learn contentment. And this is what he said. I have learned in whatever state I'm in, whatever state I'm in, to be content. Whether I abound or whether I'm abased, whether I have more than enough or whether I have just enough or even not enough, I have learned to be content. Here's the word of the Lord to you. And I don't say this lightly. Well, this person who was tempted to resent this chapter of their lives in God's big story learn the power of contentment i encourage you to read philippians chapter 4 and here's what contentment does contentment contentment finds a reason to be grateful contentment refines a reason to be thankful whether you have a lot or whether you have little notice paul's life notice the delays And the detours and the denials, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 22. It says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. And he's talking about the the Judaizers. These were religious zealots who constantly persecuted and resisted the work of the gospel that Paul was trying to perpetuate across Asia. So every time Paul went out and preached, man, these people came against him and they were saying all these things about him and he is justifying why he deserved to be an ambassador of Christ. And he goes on in verse 23 and he says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And now he begins to talk about this chapter of his life, this particular chapter of his life, and the plot twists that weren't the most comfortable or convenient or worthy of celebration. Notice what he says. He says, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in me- meaning can't nobody testify that they have been flogged more than me for the gospel. Nobody can claim that they've worked harder than me he says in labors abundant in stripes without measure in prisons more frequently than any of them in deaths often from the jews five times i received 40 stripes minus one you know what he was saying jesus was whipped once 39 stripes you know how many times how many times paul was beat for the gospel five times Five times Paul endured what Jesus endured except the cross. I'm talking about this chapter of your life that seems so painful. This guy who's going through all of this adversity, through all of these trials, through all of these tribulations, still has the emotional fortitude and spiritual wherewithal to say whatever state I find myself in, I'll be content. Hold up. This was a perfect reason for Paul to become resentful. But instead of resentment for this chapter of his life, Paul chose contentment. Notice what he goes on to say uh, in verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods, Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And then verse 28, he says, besides all of these things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. He says, I know I've been beaten. I know I've been persecuted. I know I've been shipwrecked. I know I've been in prison, but you know what weighs me down every single day in spite of the opposition that I'm against? is my deep concern for the church. My deep concern for the church is, you know what drove Paul? It's Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mindset be your motivation. He was following the model of a savage Jesus. And if persecutions and shipwrecks and rejection and resistance didn't stop Paul, What's your excuse? COVID-19, when all these people are being vaccinated, when there are masks, when there's social distancing? And listen to me, listen to me. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to exercise faith over fear and to put aside the excuses. We're not asking anyone to do anything unwise because in all of our decisions as a church, we're going to exercise wisdom But we're also going to exercise faith over fear because God is raising us up to be a church in the wild. That's what Paul was. And he says, in this chapter of my life, in this chapter of my life, I may not like everything that I'm experiencing. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But I've learned to be content. Why is that important? Contentment always precedes Fulfillment. And that's where I'm going to close. Contentment always precedes fulfillment. You say, Pastor Reed, what do you mean? Contentment is making the most of what I have. It may not be perfect. It may not be ideal, but it's something. And whether I abound or I'm abased, I'll be content. I'll learn to give thanks. The chapters change and the storylines change when I have learned the lesson of contentment. Then God moves me into the next chapter called fulfillment. You know what fulfillment is? Fulfillment is when I step into the thing for which I was created. I want you to hear that again. I want you to hear that again. Most of us, I started to say something most of us delay our season of fulfillment because we're stuck in the chapter that is hard that is filled with opposition and we don't see the opportunity all we see is the problem and not the possibilities and god says baby you're going to stay stuck in that chapter until you learn contentment where you are i can't move you over into fulfillment baby cuz you haven't learned you haven't learned that this season It's just developing you for your destiny, which is the place of fulfillment. So if you're Joseph, God takes you through a process of contentment that lasts 13 years to bring you into rich fulfillment. Psalm 66, I believe it's verse 15. If you're Abram and later become Abraham, God takes you through a 25-year season of contentment in order to bring you into a season of fulfillment. If you're Jesus, God takes you through 30 years of contentment so that you can step into three and a half years of fulfillment. We're gonna be talking about this in the weeks to come because the church that we are becoming is not a church that is groomed in a zoo, but it is a church that is forged In the wild because we follow the example of a savage Jesus let me pray for you father we come to you now in the strong name of Jesus and for those of us who ask the question now what what do we do after the resurrection well the truth is Jesus you've done your part now you're entrusting what happens next to the church so God Uh, We follow the example that we've been given in scripture, the example of our savage Jesus who became comfortable being uncomfortable, who exchanged divinity for humanity, Uh, a Jesus who humbled himself under the mighty hand of God and you exalted him in due time. Lord, I pray that we would embrace the lessons of this chapter and learn contentment in this chapter of our lives so we can cross over into fulfillment in the next chapter. So Lord, we trust you to do that now. And every step of the way, your word declares that your grace is sufficient for us. You have already given us grace for the journey. Help us to recognize it. Help us to respond to your grace that takes us from season to season, from faith to faith, from strength to strength, and from glory to glory. Make us, make Converge Church, a church that is forged in the wild. That in every adversity, God, we will see your opportunity. In every obstacle, we will see opportunities. And God, in every problem, we will gain your perspective And we will see the solutions. We trust you to do that now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Listen, if you're new to faith uh, or you have questions about God, we're here for you. We want to talk to you. We want to answer your questions. Send us an email. Send us an email at info at weareconverged.com. Someone from our team will contact you. We have some resources we'd like to put in your hands to jumpstart your walk with Jesus so that you can be a part of this church in the wild and live out the life that Jesus imagined for you beyond the cross, beyond the grave, over into Pentecost and be as those that had this testimony in the book of Acts. Those who have turned the world upside down have come here also listen converge we're coming to an exciting season we've moved beyond the memorial we have built the altar a place of sacrifice and submission and our 10th anniversary is not a moment that we marked but it is a moment that will forever mark us because we are becoming a church that is cultivated in the wild in jesus name god bless you we'll see you next week for week two of church in the wild.
2: If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or, if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.